Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. So guys, so I grew up, uh, of course, loving sports. And uh, when I was about 12 years old, uh, I started really watching the World Series. And in that particular year, there was a team that ended up going all the way to the World Series. They got behind against the Baltimore Orioles and they actually came back and they won the World Series that year in 1979. And not only are they known for winning the World Series, they are known because they adopted a motto in a song called, We Are Family. I got all my sisters with me. Come on. It was a sister sledge song, right? Y'all didn't know I had that kind of talent. <laughs> Look, the spirit of joy rushes into the congregation anytime I sing. God has just, people just like begin to hilariously receive the joy of the Lord. I don't know why that is. <laughs> anyway, I used to think I could sing and then I actually heard myself one time on a, we got recorded and I was like, ooh, yeah. I thought I sounded like Nello. Because <laughs> when I sing down here, when I sing down here, I do f hear his voice. Uh, so they had this incredible song, We Are Family, right? And because what it was, was this, this particular team really rallied together and really believed in one another and became a special group of people that went on to do incredible things. And... What I want to just share today is this idea that the church is not primarily called to be just a place where we come in and we check in and check out. It's not called to be a place that is primarily just an organization or a corporation. God's picture and his vision that he gives us in the New Testament is that the primary way that you would distinguish the church and the people of God is that they are a family. A family. See, when we started Renovate Church, I had been a part of a church in Indianapolis that had had incredibly explosive growth. We had gone from 1,500 people to 6,000 people. And there were many times when I was asked to do funerals of people that I didn't even know because I was a pastor on staff. And it was always really, really challenging and, and, and at times awkward for me in these incredible life moments and so when we came down to Austin to plant renovate one of the things that April and I said is 
we do not want this church to be primarily defined as having just transactional relationships. <laughs> Come on. The church many times is known for just having transactional relationships. Right? We come in, right? Everything's fine. How are you? Fine. You fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. Right? We come in. We sit. We don't really uh, associate with the people in front of us or the people behind us. We put in our time. We maybe hear a good message that encourages us, a, a couple songs, and we go, well, that's pretty good. And then we, we take off. And April and I said, we don't want renovate to, to just have transactional relationships. We want to have what we call authentic, genuine relationships. And guess what? Many times, that's harder. It's harder to deeply invest our lives, your lives, into other people and relationships because guess what? Relationships are messy. They're messy. Come on. I remember talking to a friend one time and he said, oh, I stopped going to this church and I stopped going to that church and I stopped going to that church and I stopped, because I got there and it wasn't perfect. And I said, man, you're never going to find a perfect church. You're never going to find one. Because as soon as you show up, it's messed up. As soon as I walked in the room, it already had a level of dysfunction. But God, God has this, this passion and this desire that, that his people would walk together in authentic, genuine, deeply committed relationships that it would actually mark us in the world. Because in the world, most of the time, people, relationships are just transactional. As long as you can do something for me, then I'll be in relationship with you. But as as, if you can no longer help me or you can no longer benefit me, guess what? I'm done with you. And that's not what the church is called to be. So I want to just look today, because we're going to spend a couple, couple weeks on this, but I just want to look today at this one aspect that I think is absolutely critical to be able to walk in this type of community and these types of relationships. Because see, one of the big questions when Jesus came was people were kind of all wondering, what is God like? Like, who is he? What's he like? Because in the Old Testament, God had lots of, of names, man. I mean, he was El Shaddai. He was Jehovah. He was El Elyon. He was, I mean, all these, these things of, of, of God being transcendent and powerful and all these things and Jesus comes and one of the primary revelations that Jesus brings in the New Testament is that God at his essence 
is a father. Is a father. Thirteen times in the Old Testament, the word father is used when it comes to God. 150 plus times Jesus used it is in a relationship. This is, this is who God is. Just look at a couple of these. Look at what it says. In Luke 10, 21 and 22, it says this, at that time Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to be me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus is using this language of he's primarily relating to God as a father. And a father, and we're going to look at this in a minute, because here's the thing, one of the things God is doing and wants to do in the earth and wants to do in the church is restore to us a proper view of what, not only relationship with our fathers, but he wants to restore a proper view of what it means to walk functionally in relationships as family and as God's people. Because guess what? Families are broken. And God has a heart to restore this. Look at what it says in John 10, 14 and 15. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So one of the primary revelations that, that, that Jesus brings to our lives is that God wants us to relate to him as, as a father. And that's intimate. And that's personal. It changed, it changed my life because my whole early Christian experience was about trying to earn God's favor and approval. Like, okay, I'm going to witness to everybody I see, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to do my Bible studies, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do this. I was, I was actually doing it trying to receive God's pleasure and blessing, not responding out of the fact that he already loved me. He already, my fa his favor was already on me. His blessing was already on me. So let's look here this morning at two quick things. I want to look at two Old Testament examples of family situations that were broken and, and see how God wants to redeem and restore that. In Genesis 4, starting in verse 1, it says, And Adam was intimate with his wife Eve, 
And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. This is the first family. She said, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So here, God tells them, this is the kind of offering I want you to bring to me. Abel brings the appropriate offering. Cain brings an offering of his choice. Come on. This is tricky sometimes in this, where it's like, uh, you know, God says, hey, Dave, this is what I want you to do. And I go, no, I don't want to do that, but God, I want to do two of these. And God says, no, 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 I just want you to do this. So here they are, Cain and Abel. Abel brings the appropriate offering. Cain brings the wrong one. God doesn't receive it. And Cain now gets upset. Watch what happens. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So God was looking at Cain and saying, Cain, there's some things brewing in your heart that aren't healthy, that are going to take you down the wrong path. If you don't deal with this bitterness, if you don't deal with this offense, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you into some things that you don't want to go into. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. <laughs> Premeditated. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, first family, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Do I have to care about relationships? Do I have to care about relationships? Do I have to care about the church relationships? Do I have to care about my neighbor? Do I have to care about even those people who aren't Christians? No. Yes. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Brokenness in this family. Come on, anybody ever come from some brokenness in your family growing up? Nobody. Man, well, I'm, 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 I, I'm here preaching the wrong message. God, thank you for this wonderful group of people. Amen. We end. Come on. My, my family had lots of brokenness in it. 
thoughts of brokenness. I was talking to my dad uh, on vacation this summer. My dad came down, and one of the days we had to drive up to Norfolk from where we were on the Outer Banks. It's about a two-hour drive because Trey couldn't get off work at the same time as we did, and so he could only fly in on Friday. We were already there on Sunday, so we were driving up, and and my dad and I had two hours to talk uh, as he drove, and we were just talking, and, and we were talking about... Um, family situations growing up and I told him I said you know dad one of the things that I always struggled with growing up was I said you know when I used to go to Christmas gatherings on both sides of the family because uh, when I would go with my mom's side of the family you know my my uncle God bless his soul was an alcoholic and was struggling and my aunt was homeless and my other aunt was involved in prostitution and 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 we would come to these Christmas gatherings and everybody would want to be functional and celebrate but as a 10 or 11 year old kid I didn't know how to deal with that because I'm a fixer are we just gonna all every year year after year just pretend like nothing's happening here and stuff our emotions but what do you there was no solution what do you do what do you do they find themselves in this this brokenness in the first family we're four chapters into the bible I mean I would have thought they'd have had a little string of luck now watch, what have you done? Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your blood, brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You, here's the, the, the key, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Come on, I know many, many people who have come to faith in Jesus, but they still feel as outsiders deep down I, I'm still an outsider I don't really belong here in the church I don't belong in the people of God I'm a second-class citizen if you knew my past yeah no 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 what Jesus is gonna talk about in the New Testament and show is that Every single one of us, when we come to faith in Jesus, we are adopted fully into the family of God. We do not have to live our lives thinking that we are always on the periphery, always an outsider. That's what, look at what it said there. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. I know people, gosh, it's, it's fashionable in America today that Christianity is primarily consumer-driven, not community-driven or contribution-driven. So I'll go to a church... And as soon as one thing doesn't go right, or somebody looked at me wrong, or my coffee wasn't good last week, which I heard it wasn't, I'm out. And they just wander. 
And they never really find real community and real family. This is what's happening here. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. The Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and out from the presence of community and out from the presence of family and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This was not God's intention desire his desire for each of us is that we would we would truly find authentic connection and community and relationships right good and bad success and failure to know and be known to fully know and to be known Here's the second one. Look at what it says here. We go a few chapters over to Genesis 27. Verse 13. Jacob's mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get these things for me. She's going to have him deceive her father. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. What's happening here is Jacob um, feels like he's got to go and deceive his father for the blessing um, that Isaac is going to give. Esau's the firstborn, Jacob's the secondborn. Rebekah says, hey, I want you to go smell like Esau, put clothes on like Esau, go tell your father that you are Esau, that you can receive the blessing. Jacob said to his father, or he went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he said. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. And Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him, are you really my son, Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then 
so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and ate. He brought some wine and he drank. Then the father... the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. This fatherly blessing is coming to Jacob. It's illegitimate but it's coming. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and deep and bitter cry and said to his father, please, father, bless me, me too, father. Do you see what's happening here? Every single one of us have been wired to, to want to, to receive a blessing from our fathers. Every single one of us. They will tell you, psychologists will tell you that the absence or the presence of a father and a blessing in the life is the defining factor of a person's life. Come on. I know people that have chased accomplishment, 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 accomplishment just to get their father's approval. If I do more or get more or do then I'll be loved, then I'll be blessed, then I'll be accepted. This is what's happening here. Come on, this plays out in real life. Look what he says. He burst out with a loud and bitter cry, said to his father, please, father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob, supplanter, deceiver? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Father, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Come on. I was just watching Ted Lasso this last few weeks. It's this sitcom with Jason Sudeikis and 
And one of the star players, Jamie Tart, he's just, he's doing everything in life to try to get his dad's approval. Look at what it goes on to say. Isaac answered Esau, I've made him Lord over you and have made all the relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine, so, so what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Please bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept deeply. Come on. What's the revelation that Jesus brought? That God primarily, in his essence, is a father who loves us deeply, whose favor and blessing, we don't have to go try to receive or earn favor, approval, blessing from the world or anything in it. That's the thing that marked Jesus's life. He was able to go through rejection. He was able to go through betrayal. He was able to go through all that because he said, everyone has left me, but I still have relationship with my father. It radically changes things. Let's end with this. Look at what it says in Galatians 4, 1 through 7. It's this theme that, that Paul says over and over. He says, what am I saying? Is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate. What Paul is saying here, he's giving this, this language, he's dealing with this whole idea that when, when a child is young, right, they might be the heir to the entire inheritance. That's who they are positionally, but yet experientially, that hasn't happened yet. So he says, listen, when an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave. Like, he's, he hasn't received the full inheritance. Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. God doesn't want any single person who's walking in his body to feel like an orphan. He uses words like, no, no, full. Full rights. Watch. 
to redeem those under law that we might receive adoptions. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You want to talk about a new identity? This is the identity that God wants us to walk in. When you're an heir, you're secure. When you're an heir, you've already, you're approved. You already have acceptance. You already have belonging. You're not seeking for it from God, and you're not seeking for it from other people. Two examples in the Old Testament of dysfunctional families. Cain and Abel, Cain's showed what? You'll be a restless wanderer. Come on. God wants us to have peace. Come on, there was a place in my life where I was, yes, I knew God, I was, but guess what? I was restless. I gotta go, I gotta do, I gotta be, I gotta earn, I gotta, ah, right? I couldn't just rest. And then it was always over there, and well, the grass is always greener there, and I gotta go da, 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 da. No. Settle in. Second family. What? The Father's blessing, the Father's approval in Christ. All of that has been given. You can walk in a different security different peace in your life when you know God as your father who cares about you. Look, what does it say in 1 John? Behold, what? How great the father has loved us and lavishes love that we should be called the children of God and that is what we changes everything changes everything let me pray God thank you so much that you can take broken things broken families broken relationships broken images and redeem them and restore them God, you invite us into your family and into your relationship that's healthy and it's functional and it's, God, it's everything we desire. And then you call us to then experience that and then begin to live that out in our own families. And God, you are the God who restores and you redeems and rebuilds broken places in our own families, places of hurt places of rejection, God, places of brokenness that we think we just have to hide. We don't. And then, God, you not only do that, then you begin to 
call us to relate to one another in brotherly love and kindness as a, as a family and to, to walk in this way. And it's a witness to the world. It's a witness. How can you walk in this way? How can, how can, and you say, it's because of the greatness of God and the grace of God and the redeeming power of God. Listen, if the church can't walk relationships out redemptively, where else can it happen? We are the hope of the world. God, mark us with this kind of love from you, this kind of love for you, and this kind of love for one another. In Jesus' name. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you wanna grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.